This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Well, hello there and welcome to episode 17 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. Today we're going in our archive to November 2014, where we had a hangout with Tim Simmons from Christ Church Manchester. In this hangout, Tim is talking about how we can impact a city through hyperlocal engagement. You can find this full hangout, including the Q&A with Tim and all the notes on what he was saying at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 17. So without any further delay, here is Tim Simmons. Uh, So we're going to talk this evening about increasing your capacity for hyperlocal engagement and citywide impact, which is quite a grand uh, title, uh, and I will explain it as we go through. Uh, but really, I want to look at how churches and church plants, particularly, uh, can focus on local community as well as going for a, a broader citywide um, approach. Um, and really, I'm articulating um, pragmatically at the model that we're going for here in Manchester. Um, so. Uh, I apologise if this is a little bit Manchester-centric, but we've kind of got to where we are um, in quite an evolutionary way. Um, So where we've got to isn't necessarily a fixed point, um, but we have picked up some principles on the way uh, that we're trying to stick to that form uh, what we are doing now and the decisions that we make uh, and our our strategy, I suppose. So really uh, what I'm going to attempt to do is explain our journey uh, and progression in our, in our thinking, the way we, we're trying to approach this, uh, which means I'll probably talk a lot about um, Christchurch Manchester, which is the church that um, I'm part of. Uh, I'll talk quite a lot about Manchester as a city as well. Um, and so I apologise if I haven't considered your context particularly. I, I think the principles that we've got to, we've arrived at, are reasonably applicable, uh, actually, uh, in a, any Western context. Um, but what I wanted to do is just explain how we've got to where we are, our kind of our thought patterns, uh, and then look at practically how we've worked it out. Um, and then we'll do some Q&A if you've got any questions. Um, uh, that would be good. Uh, so to start with, uh, I think what would be most helpful is to think about the questions that we were asking ourselves um, probably about five or six years ago. And uh, we were a, a church of uh, 50 people in a, a poor part of Manchester on the east side of, our, of the city. And the east, side, east and north of Manchester really are, are quite deprived areas. Um, and uh, we had one meeting on a Sunday. We were one community. Um, but there was a, a deep desire to grow, a uh, deep desire to see salvation, um, and also a, a real desire to see the communities that we were part of to be changed for the better. There was a, a real um, hope to have an impact and to see kingdom move forward in Manchester. Um, and so that kind of uh, stewed within us, I suppose. And, and so the questions 
that we started asking or the church started asking even before um, myself and Vicky arrived. I think these questions were beginning to bubble up before we got here. So I'm not claiming any credit. Um, and the main one was how do we reach the whole of Manchester um, for Jesus, really? How, how in all of Manchester's diversity, uh, and I, I'm sure you all live in uh, towns which would have similar diversity, maybe. Um, we're a, a very young city, Manchester. Uh, it's a very political city, actually. Um, it's a very proud city. Uh, so there's a great deal of civic pride um, in Manchester, very proud of its history, uh, the way that it's kind of formed and come together over recent years. Um, it's also a very racially diverse city, and it's a very creative city. So there's a, a vibrant arts scene in Manchester, a vibrant music scene, um, a great deal of media activity uh, here, and it's a very entrepreneurial city as well. So um, there's a, a lot of business initiative in our city. Um, and so we were really asking ourselves, how does a church reach that huge variety of people? How, how do we best do that? Um, and uh, we also found ourselves thinking about the poorer parts of our city. Uh, how do we reach the most uh, deprived areas, the most difficult areas of Manchester? Um, and actually, as we looked, and uh, our, our, the church that we had at the time was in one of the poorest parts of the city, and we realized that not many other people were doing it. Um, and in fact, those that were, like ourselves, were being as successful as we were, <clears throat> which wasn't very successful. Uh, and um, also, as we looked around the UK, particularly in the larger cities, we saw that that was a fairly common story. Um, that actually re reaching into the um, the working class areas, reaching into uh, areas where it was a great deal of unemployment, a great deal of social deprivation, poor educational results, all of the classic things. We looked at those and we didn't see a huge amount of success church-wise and church planting particularly. Um, that, that, that's a massive generalization, um, but it's certainly what we could see. Uh, and then we were also asking ourselves, how do we engage the people that we have uh, in mission? How do we, I suppose, how do we get maximum participation in the body of people that we have in our church? How, how do we uh, make them participate fully in, in mission? How do they, uh, we help people to see every part of their lives uh, being fundamental actually to church life? Um, and so we, it was a process of uh, contextualization, I suppose. Um, and this didn't happen in one single meeting. We didn't build a contextualization team and then hammer it out over a, over a curry. Actually, this happened over years and years. We've um, lived in the city and some of the, the people within our church have lived in Manchester for decades, actually. Um, and so these questions have been bubbling in with them for a long, long time. Uh, and me and Vicky have only been up here for five years. And so we kind of came late into that conversation uh, and these questions we just kept asking, and, and we're still asking them, really. We're still talking about them. Um, I don't feel like we've come close to answering them necessarily, and, and I don't know if we ever will fully, um, but we want to keep asking them um, to keep ourselves creative and to keep thinking. And uh, for me, there was, um, there was a little bit of a light bulb moment 
um, in thinking how do we reach all of Manchester. If we're looking at the even the different geographical areas of our city are, are quite unique to each other, um, which would be the same in um, even quite small towns or villages. Actually, there are areas of that village or areas of that town which look different to another part, whether that's the class of people that live there, the race of people that live there, the size of the houses, whatever it is, even the, the type of employment that people have in those places. Um, and so as we thought, how do we reach all of Manchester? I, I had a light bulb moment. And that light bulb moment came not long after we moved up. Uh, we moved into an area of Manchester in South Manchester called Levenshume. And uh, we knew nothing about Manchester. We moved from Birmingham and we just picked Levenshume because the rent there wasn't very expensive. And we found one house um, which looked like it might not fall down. That was pretty much our criteria. So we moved ourselves into it. Uh, and when we settled into it, we, um, I just, I'm, I'm a little bit of a blog nerd and a social media nerd. So I just did my research. I just went online and looked at all the social media stuff and all the blogs that I could find in Manchester and just read about the city as best that I could. And I found this one blog uh, called Love Levenshoon. And, uh, and then on the guy who ran that blog said, I'm moving out of Manchester. Does anybody want to take over this blog from me? And uh, I thought, okay, well, this is a great way to learn about my, my city and my, where I live. So I just emailed him and said, I'll, I'll help. And uh, someone else did the same. And um, me and this girl for about six months a year, we just blogged about Levenshoon. Um, so we blogged about the parks. We blogged about uh, some of the pubs. I actually did a series of blogs on all the local kebab houses. And uh, Levenshoon has a, any number of kebab houses. And so I ate a lot of kebabs uh, for a while. And it was just kind of fun. But actually, we discovered something a bit odd as we were doing it. Um, we discovered that actually lots and lots of people read these blogs, you know, by blog, blogging standards. And uh, we got put forward for an award, uh, like a, um, Manchester has a literary festival every year. And as part of that, they run a, bl a blog award, which uh, within Manchester and that literary scene was a relatively big deal. Um, and we won blog of the year, I think in 2009 or something like that. And uh, <clears throat> as when this happened, I realized that actually people were very, very proud of the area that they lived in. So there were any number of people that lived in Levenshume who were very proud uh, of the fact that they lived in Levenshume. And it's not a particularly glamorous area. It's pretty run-of-the-mill um, urban centre, not far off Manchester. It's one train um, stop to the city centre. Um, it's quite diverse. Um, there's loads and loads of schools. There's uh, a baby boom. Um, it's just a, a normal city kind of place. Um, but the people that lived there were, were very defensive of it. And they would also be highly critical of it, but because they were proud of it. And as we looked at Manchester, we realized that there were lots of areas like this, even areas where um, maybe the, the, the trendier people might look down, even the cooler people might look at certain areas of Manchester and be quite snobby about them. But actually, we found that some of those areas, uh, families have lived there for generations and were very proud of that area, even though we would say, oh, it's a poor area, it's very deprived. They would be very proud of it. And actually, we discovered that some of these people wouldn't leave the area. In Gorton, we found that there were people who'd never gone, they'd never crossed one particular road. There's a, a main artery road called the A56, the Hyde Road, 
and it's just a main road, but some people wouldn't cross that road to go into another area. They only went to the shops in their area and they went to their house. That's all they did. Um, and so we realized that Manchester was just lots and lots of villages kind of pushed together. And, and as the urban sprawl had been developed, they'd all kind of merged into one mass. But the, the hearts of these villages still uh, existed. Uh, which was uh, was a little bit of a light bulb moment. Uh, and we realized that um, if one part of the city thrived, this one of these villages thrived, then other villages in the city were quite pleased about that. They weren't against that. There was uh, an amount of, um, it wasn't, there wasn't a great deal of rivalry or competition. People were pleased uh, that parts of the city were doing well, uh, which is why I think that blog won an award. Although it's only a tiny thing, it, something kind of clicked in our heads, um, maybe about how community works in a city. And as we talked, we realized that people can connect with community in different ways. Uh, so some people will go to Old Trafford to watch the football where Manchester United play. They'll sit there with 72,000 people, watch a game of football, uh, but actually they'll feel connected to community. And some of us wouldn't understand how you can go and sit with 72,000 people, but actually they would feel part of something. And at exactly the same time, some people would prefer to go and watch their kids play for the school football team and stand with 10 other parents. And for them, that is a connection uh, to community. Uh, and I also realized that uh, I love to read uh, the national newspapers. So on Saturday, I'll buy a newspaper. I'll read all the sections cover to cover. Then on Monday, when I, I have a day off, I'll, write, I'll read two newspapers cover to cover. I read all the sports. I, I want to feel connected to all the political arguments. I want to understand what's going on in world news. I want to understand all of those things. It's important to me. But I also realize that when the local freebie newspaper comes through the door, which it did this evening, even though it's a piece of junk and it's barely writing, uh, I still read it all um, and because it interests me and because I want to know about the community and actually because it helps me feel connected in a funny way. Uh, and so we wondered whether this mentality of uh, locality, uh, and we called it hyperlocal, and I'll, I'll explain why we called it that in a bit. Um, we wondered if that could actually be applied to church. Um, and this idea that actually you can be very focused on your local community, but at the same time be passionate about the whole city. Uh, which we found was very common in Manchester. People will be very, very passionate about their cities. So um, about three years ago, uh, when there were lots of riots in the UK, um, and when those, those riots hit Manchester, actually one of the things that happened very quickly is that people were going into the city centre to either stop the rioting, to try and talk people out of rioting, or they were going with brooms the next day to clean up. And actually, and that was... Um, a very organic thing. It wasn't organized by the council. Actually, on, uh, on Twitter and social media, those kind of movements sprang up very quickly and people were very keen to tidy up their city centre because they were very proud. Um, and so we wondered whether church could be really very, very hyper-local about really kind of tight local communities like Levenshume or like Gorton. Uh, and whether at exactly the same time it could be focused on the whole city. And, uh, and we wondered whether actually churches tended to be good at one or the other, but not both. Um, and we wondered whether churches became all about their locality, all about 
um, within four or five hundred yards, maybe even just their parish, um, and didn't think about the whole city. Or we wondered whether actually they could be the opposite. They could just be about the big city. And maybe they aspired to be or were what we might call a mega church or something like that. And they were just about the whole city, but they weren't about much else. Uh, and so in our, our processing, uh, we decided that we wanted to uh, have two mindsets. You know, and we wanted to communicate this to the church. We wanted the church to kind of go with us on this and have two mindsets. And the first one was to be hyperlocal. Uh, and we don't actually use that word very much around CCM. Uh, we used it a few years ago really to kind of get ourselves thinking. Uh, and we threw it in this evening um, because it's an unusual word and it forces me to explain um, a concept or, or something that we were going after. So the first mindset we wanted people to have was to be hyperlocal. And we stole that from the blogs, really. So Love Levenshume, that particular blog, was about community activity and very, very minor news stories in a local area. And uh, as we got into that, we realized that actually that was a pretty common and common phenomenon in blogging and, and that they were called hyperlocal news blogs. And that actually out there, there were volunteer hyperlocal journalists who made it their business to just write about these local areas. And actually, I had a contact with a few of them, some of them in the UK, some of them in a uh, whole different uh, nations, um, who were just really passionate about um, a few streets in their town, or maybe just their village, or, or maybe an area of their city. Uh, and sometimes that worked out in different ways. Uh, so in Manchester, there are uh, loads of websites and blogs dedicated purely to the music scene and particular genres in the music scene, whether it's to the nightclubs or to the gigs or to whatever. Uh, and there are loads of blogs dedicated to um, live storytelling in Manchester. We discovered that there's this whole storytelling scene where people will write their own material and um, and then people will blog about this as well. So, But it was very hyper-local for an interest or, and a people group. Uh, as well as being uh, geographical. And I, I guess as us at a church, we kind of started with the geographical stuff. Um, and I, I guess what we realized is people in our, in our church, um, their day-to-day lives tend to happen, tend to work out in quite small places. So they tend to work out largely where they live or where they work. Uh, and maybe if they have families. So I know for myself, um, my life works out in where I where I live, uh, the different places that I work, uh, and when I take my kids to school. They're the three main areas of my life. Um, and actually, most people we thought didn't have maybe the time or the desire to attempt to reach a whole city, um, but actually were very motivated for what was right in front of them. Uh, and it was easy to explain to them, actually, this is how we grow the church here. This is how you impact your communities by what's right in front of you, by the communities that we live in and that we're part of. And we want to put church right in the heart of those places. Uh, as we talked about this uh, and as we observed what we were doing and as we observed other churches as well, we wondered if there were uh, some downsides to this mentality, actually, to this mindset whether actually we lost out on some things and we realized that actually we quickly lost um our hope for the big picture uh, and that success 
for a church. And, and talking about success is a funny word. Oh, maybe fruit is a better word. Um, but seeing things happen, you, you know, when you plant a church, you want to see the church grow. You want to see people discipled. You want to see fruit. Um, and when you get uh, quite um, specific or hyper-local like this, um, maybe success is only what's in front of you or that you're personally experiencing. Uh, and this can be particularly difficult um, in poor areas of cities. Uh, and this, um, I'll be slightly gen- uh, make some generalizations here, but actually it's quite hard to plant churches um, in rough areas, in deprived areas, um, for all sorts of different reasons, uh, which we don't have to go into this evening. Um, but actually it's just hard to do. Um, and often it's two steps forward and then three steps back and then a couple of steps sideways and then another step forward. Uh, and it's just really hard work. Um, and we've got guys who've been on the ground in Gorton uh, for a long, long time, and they would testify to this, that actually it, it, you take one step at a time. It's very hard work. It can often be quite isolating. So if you're just concentrated on your one area, there's every chance that you may be the only church there or one of a few uh, and not many churches there. Um, and it can be very isolating, actually. Uh, and we found on the east side of Manchester, particularly the east and the north, uh, and even out into some of the old mill towns around the edge of our city, um, that there were very few churches over 40 people, um, which again would be a generalization. There are some bigger churches than that. But if you go to South Manchester, which is uh, more affluent, more middle class, then there are um, the churches there thrive a lot more easily. There's a Bible Belt, I suppose, in Manchester, um, which isn't a bad thing at all. It just seems to be how it is. Um, and so... The downside of us, uh, for us, uh, that we could see of really focusing in specifically on these communities was actually it was just really hard work and it's really lonely. And um, how would you do that on your own? Uh, and when there's only 40 of you and maybe four or five of you are having a bad time, then that actually everybody feels it then because that's it's quite a small group. Uh, And we also realized the downside in this were in affluent areas. If we were to be very hyper-local in a more affluent area of the city, actually there isn't a great deal of understanding in those places about how the difficult parts of the city work and how hard it can be. And people in Manchester tend to move uh, from one affluent place to another affluent place. If they do well in their job, they might move to a more affluent place. If their job's not going so well, they may stay where they are. Uh, And we noticed that particularly when uh, students moved into Manchester, um, so Manchester has a population of about 100,000 students. And when students moved into the city, they would move into a rough studenty part of the city. And as they graduated and got jobs uh, and their jobs improved, they slowly drifted south into the increasingly affluent parts of the city. And if they did really well, they'd move into Cheshire, which is really quite posh. Um, and that's where how it would work. Very few people would actually move to difficult parts of the city and bed into those communities because that's not really what happens in, in British culture, at least. That isn't what happens. Uh, and so we realized that resources, so people and finance, tended not to move into difficult areas, into rough areas. Um, And so all of this was our conversation uh, about how we reached a city. Um, And that was the first mindset we wanted was to be hyper-local. And we thought the second mindset we wanted was for people to to think city-wide. So we wanted them to think 
and live and work really hard for their local area. But we wanted them to lift their heads and see the big picture for the whole of Manchester. So Manchester uh, is a population of uh, greater Manchester is multiple millions to two to three million. Uh, and the, the kind of the tighter Manchester area is about a million people. And we wanted people to um, catch a vision for the whole thing, for the whole city. Uh, we wanted people to, uh, we wanted our church to be engaged in all the areas of city life. And we felt that was important uh, from um, all of the different kind of areas that people want working from business to healthcare to education, all of the creative parts of our city, all the political parts, uh, all the different racial groups, all of those things. We wanted the church to be everywhere, really. Um, and we wanted each part of the city to celebrate what God was doing in another part of the city, I suppose. Um, and we wanted to see resources, so money, people, people's energy, um, to move freely around the city. We, we didn't want it to be caught up in certain places. Uh, so really, we wanted a, a church for the whole of Manchester is what we were after. Uh, and so for us, we started thinking, well, OK, in that case, we want to be very focused on our localities. Uh, we want to be hyper local. Uh, but we also want to lift our heads, always be thinking of the bigger picture, always be reminding each other of the bigger picture. Um, so I guess to explain this a little bit more um, would be just to talk about practically how we're doing that. Um, and uh, again, I'm, I'm aware this is very Manchester centric and I'm just trying to articulate an idea to you guys this evening. Um, so we planted uh, from the church we have in Gorton and the church we have in Gorton uh, was about 50 people and remains about 50 people. And uh, me and Vicky, my family uh, moved up five years ago because that church had been praying they wanted to um, plant into other parts of the city. Uh, and so they prayed, and um, I would say their prayers were answered, and they got us. They, you ask them, they may tell you something different. But anyway, let's move on from that. Uh, and so we moved up, uh, and we went to plants in Manchester, uh, and particularly into Fallowfield. Now, Fallowfield is in South Manchester. Uh, it's a very, very student-heavy uh, population, uh, very, very transient. Um, but we felt that was the kind of people that we wanted to go after. Uh, we wanted to go after 20s students, young people. Um, that was what we were passionate about doing. Um, and so they planted us. And when I say they planted us, what we did is we started an evening meeting. Uh, there was a morning meeting uh, of Gorton and uh, we became very much part of that. And we uh, are still with those guys and love those guys. Um, and we started an evening meeting with um, about six or seven of us. So this church plant effectively of 50 people planted another church um, really very quickly. Uh, but we realized that we, we didn't want, um, we didn't want the church plants to separate out, I suppose. So I guess we didn't want, uh, to plant an autonomous church out and then for them to build their own things and, um, to kind of drift apart, uh, which if you plant a church out of a church and it, it's a kind of standalone church plant, then there's, um, over time, they will they will drift apart. It's natural. It's not wrong. It's um, pretty normal. Um, but actually, we wanted, after all that we've talked about, being about hyper local and about being citywide, we wanted these churches to be knitted together. We wanted um, the people in Gorton to enjoy and get the benefit of a church plant in Fallowfield, uh, and we wanted the guys in Fallowfield to have the benefit of 
of being a church in Gorton at the same time. Um, and so we wanted, again, them to work hard for their locality and we wanted them to dream big for the whole city. Uh, and we felt that we could do more for the whole city if we were together uh, than we could if we were separate. Um, and we felt that the only way that we could do that was by planting a church. Uh, and so kind of by accident, um, we became multi-site. Uh, multi-site is a very grand term. We were about 55 to 60 people uh, and six or seven of them met in a vodka bar and the rest of them met in a school hall in Gorton. Uh, and we kind of had the audacity to call ourselves a multi-site church. Uh, but we realized that uh, if we were going to grow, we had to plant. That, that was the only way. If we waited to be big enough before we planted, then we would never be big enough. Um, never, I don't think. And so we realized that we had to grow. Um, and so the most of the multi-site churches that uh, I've observed and have been in contact with, most of them get to the point of being multi-site because they seem to need to solve a problem in terms of their growth. They've maybe grown to a point where uh, they can't quite fit in their building anymore or, um, or another church has decided they want to become part of them and so they turn that church into a, a site, uh, so adopt a church in. Um, and for us, um, we just felt that actually that's not going to happen to us. If we want to grow, then we need to plant and so I think by accident, um, we kind of stumbled into being a multi-site model run by church planters, um, which can verge towards the chaotic. Uh, at least it can look like that. Um, and so I guess we are quite entrepreneurial just in who we are. Um, and, and we also realized that the thing that we were best at was uh, going from no people to 50 to 60 people. Um, that was what we were good at um, historically as well. So um, the gentleman that leads Christchurch Manchester is a, a guy called Colin Barron, who's been in Manchester for about 20 years. Uh, and he was the first um, New Frontiers person to move to Manchester. Uh, and he planted uh, a number of churches around the city. Uh, and so we realized that actually the thing we were best at was probably that was actually was church planting. Um, and as we considered um our city. So all the contextualizing I've talked about us doing this evening as we talked about our city, how our city works, all the local areas. We talked about wanting to be citywide as well. We also contextualized ourselves, if that makes sense. Um, so we looked at what our giftings were, what we thought we were good at, um, also what we really had faith for. Um, and if you pushed us, we would say that uh, we would have faith um, to have a church of a thousand people in Manchester um, if we did it in blocks of 50 to 70. We, actually, that's well within my imagination. I, I just believe over time, the way we were going, we could do that. Um, I don't have faith that we could get a thousand people in one lump in a warehouse. Some people do. There are some people in Manchester who do that and run very good churches, actually, that I have a great deal of respect for. Um, and I don't have any kind of... Um, uh, disagreement with that model at all, really. Um, but I know that <clears throat> I couldn't do that. <clears throat> I don't have that gifting, and I don't think we have any leaders that could. And actually, I think those type of leaders are, are quite rare. Uh, and so I, I didn't want to run after that model because I thought it was quite likely I wasn't one of those people, and uh, neither was Colin and neither was anyone else we had. Uh, and so we decided, actually, we have got faith that we can uh, train leaders 
uh, we can disciple people, uh, that we will see people saved, that we will impact uh, the communities of Manchester if we keep church planting. And if every church that we plant has church planting within it as well. Um, and so that's what we've uh, kind of run after. Um, having said that, if a site hits 50 people, we don't just slam the handbrake on and shut the doors. That's not quite how it works. Um, we want church planting to be in every site. And so we planted um, into an area called Withington in February, sent about um, 20 people there. There's now about 30 of them. And they are already talking about the next place they're going to plant. Um, and we're talking about it together as a group, but it's uh, in an area that's right next to Withington in West Didsbury. Um, and uh, those guys are passionate about planting a church already. There's no sense that they need to grow first. Uh, they do need to grow. Um, but actually, church planting is kind of within our DNA, within who we are. Um, so that uh, that's practically kind of how it's worked so far. I guess I'll just finish by talking about what our present day reality is, I suppose, which might help you to picture how we do things. And then I'll talk a tiny bit about our future. Um, and then if you have any questions, we, we can hit that. Um, our present day reality. So um, about seven years ago, which obviously in the present day, about seven years ago, uh, we were a group of about 15 people in someone's house in Hyde. Our present reality is that we are we meet in three different locations on a Sunday in Manchester, and uh, the Sunday meetings kind of help us to ground where our communities are. Uh, we meet in Gorton, which is on the east side of the city. Uh, we meet in Fallowfield, which um, we call Gorton, CCM Gorton. Uh, we meet in Fallowfield, we call that CCM City. And we meet in Withington, we call that imaginatively CCM Withington. And we have... Uh, two meetings at a uh, city at one of the sites, um, which means that we have four meetings in three locations. And we, we treat each of the meetings like it's its own site. Um, and over all of those four, we um, probably have about 200 people uh, across all four. We'll regularly get 200 or 200 plus on a Sunday. That's quite a regular occurrence. Uh, and each site uh, of CCM will have its own leadership team, it will have its own worship team, has its own kids' work, has its own community groups. So there are a number of midweek community groups groups that are all tied to a site. Um, we have our own, the, the sites run their own preaching programs, they run their own alpha courses, they run their own outreach events. Um, uh, and in some cases, they're actually beginning to run their own ministry to the poor as well. Uh, and decisions about how to run all of those things are largely devolved to the site leaders and the site leadership teams. Uh, and what we do together, so what Christchurch Manchester does together in all the sites, is we have a, an eldership team uh, that oversees the whole of CCM. So we say if you're an elder, um, you are an elder everywhere in every site. Uh, the reality is that most of the elders uh, will spend their time in a specific site um, but there, there's a sense that they all have ownership for everything. Uh, so we have uh, two elders in Gorton, uh, one or two elders in City, and uh, one or two elders in the Withington site. Um, but they all know that actually they can get called in at any point to help out with a wide range of stuff. And they all have a, a sense that they want to look after people regardless of uh, what site they're in. 
Um, the charity of CCM is all one charity. We don't have separate charities for each site. All the finances are run through um, uh, one body. Uh, so all of our, our budgeting is we do it all as a group together. Uh, and each site has its own budget. It needs to run and needs to be um, it needs to be financially stable, if not independent, uh, although we're, we're getting to the point where they kind of pay for themselves. Uh, our hope is actually that um, some of the more affluent areas will actually be able to put money into some of the poorer areas of the city, which is beginning to happen uh, still early days. Uh, we run one website together uh, and we have um, a yearly event where we get all of the sites uh, together uh, called a CCM day, which we had just uh, on Sunday, on Saturday. Um, the whole church is led by the eldership team and uh, Colin Barron leads that eldership team. And um, as we've developed, um, Colin's style is, um, uh, you would say he's an apostolic leader, really. Hey, um, you could see that just in the history of his ministry over the last 20 years. It's clearly an apostolic gifting. So our church has evolved and grown within that context, um, I suppose. So it's a church that is built on an apostolic gift. Uh, in terms of the future, um, we're looking at a bunch of different areas, um, quite local areas again as well. So we're, we're thinking hyper-locally, I suppose. We're looking at an area called West Didsbury, um, which we've just begun starting uh, prayer meetings there. Um, and we really want to see something planted there. We feel like God has spoken about West Didsbury. Um, we're kind of in the process of putting a community group together. Uh, we also have opportunities in uh, Salford. Um, out of nowhere, we had um, about oh, about anywhere between five and ten students join us from Salford University, uh, which we've never had before. And Salford is on the other side of the city centre to us, and so they travel quite a long way. Um, so we've turned them into a community group. Uh, one of our guys travels up there and kind of runs that group. Um, and we've just out of nowhere started praying that maybe we would have a site in Salford. If you'd have asked me five weeks ago if I thought that was possible, um, I'd have said it wasn't, but it, it just seems to have happened. So we'll see where that goes. It's quite exciting. Uh, and we also have um, a few people that live in Ashton, which is, again, is one of the towns on the east side of Manchester. And we've been praying about planting there for a long time. Uh, and the tram now goes all the way out to Ashton. So actually Ashton as a place is changing. And so we're um, praying about uh, maybe something there as well. Um, so th that's a very, um, I'm aware I've talked really quickly. Um, I hope I've made sense. Um, and really we've, we've wanted to look at what it means to be hyper-local. So very focused on your local communities um, and what that means to you and your workplaces. But also so that that people would have a, um, a vision for the whole city, to be caught up in planting in the whole city, even though if in real terms um, that doesn't involve your practical activity very much, it's still something that gives you hope and you realise that you are part of. Um, and that came from the question of how we reach uh, a city like Manchester. We hope you enjoyed this Hangout. Just to remind you, you can get all the notes on everything that Tim was saying, plus access the Q&A with Tim at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 17. Also, if you go to thebroadcastnetwork.org, you can sign up and we can let you know about all the upcoming hangouts that we've got, plus you can access our full archive of church planting training material.